felt like okay we're two people passionate about our points of views and that's it and then out of left field he says yeah. oh well I don't understand the hostility wait 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 pause yeah the record scratch pause. moment I'm like what like it really was a record scratch because Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and uh, yeah, plenty, uh, plenty of happenings in ACC land, and certainly outside of ACC land this week in sports. And um, I wanted to have a guest that, frankly, I've been wanting to have on for a little bit here, actually. And this was a good week to have her on. Vashti Hurt from Carolina Blitz, and Vashti covers, um, she keeps an eye on all things ACC and really all things sports, uh, quite frankly, but she covers the Panthers quite a bit from NFL perspective because she's based out of Charlotte. But you can find Vashti, I would, I think it's easy to say that Vashti is the most traveled member of the Charlotte media member contingent. <laughs> because, like, you can find Vashti at a nine o'clock Duke game, you know, half the time in Durham, even though she's got you know, several hours of a drive to get back to Charlotte and, and Vashti will cover, uh, you know, the triangle ACC teams quite a bit. She knows all that's going on there. And, and you can, she does great video stuff too, where you can find really good snippets of interviews with players. I, I think she has a knack for sort of capturing, uh, moments in post game locker rooms. What are those? Right. I know no idea when we'll have that again. <laughs> oh God. But uh, what, when those come back, trust me, you won't want to miss Vashti, uh, what she's able to kind of get out of players. I remember, what was it? Well, a couple, who were you asking if you would let them date your sister a couple years ago? Oh, that, that was Zion and RJ and Cam. And that was, during, that was during the NCAA tournament. And usually you've covered it. So on that Saturday, um, I think they played on Friday and then that Saturday is kind of like a media day, but it's more relaxed. And so usually I'll try to do something like that during media days when it's not as stuffy, it's not a stuffy game day environment. I just wanted to ask those guys that those questions and it went over pretty well. So yeah, I have no yeah. problem with doing like the, <laughs> the, the funny stuff or the abnormal stuff on top of the the hard sports questions and and covering. Yeah, that's the that's the perfect day for that like you said. It was really funny and really well done and anyway, y'all should all be following her certainly. Um she you're at Vashti Hurt on Twitter and also at Keep Blitzen. So Yeah, follow, follow her there for all the good stuff and um but I wanted to have you on for several reasons but you know, one of them is we're definitely at an interesting moment in time yet again, right? It's it's been it's, it feels like it's barely been any time, but it's been like I guess what almost two months and change, almost three months since uh, George Floyd was was murdered, and now we have the Jacob Blake uh, being shot seven times in the back. He's he's still alive. Doesn't seem like in very good condition, um, and it's. You know, it seems like it's sort of come to a head in the NBA. You know, they took a few days off from the playoffs and, and there was this impasse about are they going to play? Um, I guess they were sort of in a dialogue with the owners and trying to get them to commit to do something to help them out. Because we've seen, you know, players doing various things. LeBron James has been doing a ton of things to try to um, combat racial injustice and systemic inequality and everything else. And I think he just wants some help and some backing and some push from from the owners. and. Um, they decided to resume. Um, I, it's a weird situation, right? Because I, I, I feel like I, I can't know what I would do in that situation. It's hard to know what any of us would do in that situation, um, you know, as NBA players. And, and I don't know what, what was sort of going through your mind as you're watching them sort of navigate this and try to make this decision. I actually feel the exact same way you do. I have not, you know, I'm not an NBA star. I'm not thrust on this platform and, and, on, and, and, I, and I don't have the status or title of professional athlete or, or high profile professional athlete. So whereas a black woman, I understand the struggle and I understand the fight and the, and the, and the, and the brevity of the 
and I don't know the I guess the impact of the moment that we're in right now, as far as the NBA players are concerned specifically, I I don't feel like it's necessarily my place to say what their whether their decisions are right or wrong. I do yeah. I am very happy to hear them um you know or see them demand a certain level of change and and back that up with physical actions as far as them deciding to um to not play uh these past few days. But whether they continue the season or not, I think that, you know, it, it would it would be a huge story and it would be, you know, uh, it would be a, I don't know, probably unprecedented type move uh, by professional athletes. But, you know, who am I to say whether they're right or wrong um, to resume playing or not? I, I, I just really personally don't feel like I can make that decision. All I'm going to do is be supportive of whatever decision that they do make and then continue to post and bring awareness of uh, their voices and, and their continued fight for um, racial equality and against police brutality. Yeah, and it's it's just it's one of those things where I, I, I tweeted about it some yesterday because I agree with you. It's not for any of us to say. Um, you know, their, what their decision should be, because it's hard for any of us to really be completely in their shoes, like you said, as professional athletes and with the platform that they have. But, you know, one thing that struck me when I was thinking about it is like, you know what, a casual sports fan might not have been reading, and in fact, probably wasn't, you know, reading some of the post-game comments that any of these players have made about racial injustice or watching the videos of those comments during games, but they certainly heard about this. And you know, maybe maybe at least a few of them who somehow are still unaware or, or wanted to understand, maybe they sat down and tried to understand in that moment as a result of the fact that they didn't play those games. And and if that's the case, it wouldn't have been it certainly wouldn't have been for nothing, you know? So Yeah, I mean <laughs> sometimes it takes a jolt to to get people to wake up. And there's always, I mean, there's a group of people who will never understand and will never try to try to understand. And you just have to let those people rest and, and stay where they are, you know, and, and hope that the majority do want um, the same things that you want as far as equality and, and justice, just basic. It, it, we're not asking for a Bentley and a mansion like right. as black people were simply just asking for basic human rights. And there are a group of people who don't want us to have those. They never felt that we were, that we deserved them. They would rather see us shackled and working in the fields. And that's, that's where, that's where those people are. Um, but the, the hope is that, you know, those who want to understand and those who want to be open and, and those who want to try to, um, fight for equality will will listen now, and you know, it, to be honest, in this country, we haven't had any progress as Black people without boycotts, without civil disobedience. Like you mm -hmm. can't, and, and that's not just in this country; that's globally. You can't just go to the people in power and say, "Please treat me nicely." It's just not going to yep. happen. So nope. it takes things like the NBA saying, okay, hold up. We didn't even want to start, or we had questions coming into this bubble. We decided to play. We felt like our voices would be more impactful if we were on TV every day. And then it's still happening. And then of course what happened with Jay, this is just stuff that we see on the internet. You know, there, there are occasions, every stuff like this happens you know, every day, maybe not to the extent of being shot in your back seven times, but as far as, you know, questionable run-ins, um, with, with law enforcement, it, this is not, this is a, this is a norm for us as black people. And so, you know, when NBA players go into the bubble and then they feel like they're making an impact and they see, well, we're not making an impact. Well, what can we do right now within this moment to mm -hmm. shock the system and sitting out was, was, there was the most powerful thing that they could do within that moment. Yeah. And I, I just this, I can't imagine what they've been feeling. It's the thought it's, it's interesting. I, I can sympathize a little bit, certainly with the idea of 
am I in, in doing the job I'm doing, am I doing enough to fight, you know, for a cause that I believe in or am I helping to perpetuate status quo, you know? And, 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 and I think that struggle is, is, is a really difficult one. I'm, I can't imagine on the level that they're feeling it as well, because the thing is, you can say, well, they're multimillionaires. They're not impacted by it. We've seen evidence that that's not true. I mean, right. we've seen, you know, rich, and, and some of these guys have been tweeting their own stories about mm-hmm. how, you know, they pulled, they've gotten pulled over and treated roughly. And then all of a sudden the officer sees who they are and, and says like, Oh, so sorry. You know, yeah. we didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's what it's what happens. And, you know, as soon as these guys aren't on this stage, they go back to being black men or black yep. women or, you know, we and that's and that's something that we will always live with. And and so, yeah, you know, these guys, they, they are extremely talented and they work extremely hard to get to where they are in life. But, you know, once they're done playing. You know, you you just you just regular like everybody else, like Brandon, uh, Brandon Marshall. He posted a video yesterday. And if if you don't know who Brandon Marshall is, you know, the football player used to play, I think, for Chicago Pro Bowl receiver. He was moving into a new house and, and they called the cops on him because they didn't think that he lived there and his name wasn't on some list. So instead of calling to verify, they immediately went to calling the cops. And so that proves right there. Now, I think he was in, he was somewhere in Florida. If he still played for the Dolphins, maybe he would have been more recognizable, but he's been retired for several years and they may not know who he is. So you don't give, we don't, he's not afforded the benefit of the doubt that he would have gotten if he were still a professional athlete and not an ex-professional athlete. And so it's just, you know, the, what their careers and what they do, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you may do it for 15, 20 years. And this is in the NBA, not in even in the NFL. But for yeah. that short time frame in your life, you know, you're on a pedestal. And some people will say, you know, you're, some people think, and which were never, but some people think, okay, you, you've transcended race. And then once you're, once you're done playing, it's right back to, okay, I still have to deal with being a black man or a black woman in, in America. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it's just, it's something that, you know, admittedly, like I have never had to deal with. And, it, and it's something that like, you know, hearing all these stories and, and, you know, over the years from friends and, 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 you know, I, I, thankfully I haven't seen anything like that in person, you know, go down with police, but you know, every time now I see somebody pulled over, I consider if I should like pull over and keep an eye on it just in case, yeah. like it, it, it's gotten to that point And it's just, it, it's enough's enough, man. I mean, I, I read a story this morning, like about some kids in Durham getting held at gunpoint while they were playing tag. And I just, it made me feel sick. It just made me want to throw up. I mean, I, it's just, and yeah, it's, it's something too, where and you touched on it a little bit and I, I, I'm, I don't want to get into like the we. I mean, you can find this on Vashti's timeline if you want to find her interaction with this person. And I'm not trying to single out this person because I think, this is emblematic of something that, um, you know, like you said, you can't change some people's hearts. They, they think black people belong a certain place and that's it. But there are people like this person and, you know, people that look like me and, and they're in my kind of position that, you know, we need to be listening. And I know we've been hearing this now since May and hopefully earlier than that, but that's, that's something that we really need to be doing. We need to be listening to people that have different experiences than us and, and, and not sort of op- opining. Right. I, I'm trying to think of the way to say it. Like I, I get it. We're in sports. We can have an opinion, yeah. uh, 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 but like at the same time, we don't know. We can't really know what that's like. Like we need to, there are times we need to sort of defer and step back and, and be willing to listen and, and say like, maybe this is our opinion, but if somebody if somebody adds to the discussion and says like, Hey, I don't know, like maybe you should think twice about that. Like maybe you should think twice about it. And, and we, we all need to do a better job of listening. We meeting people who look like me again um, of listening and, and, and opening ourselves up to 
a different discussion and knowing that if we get called on something like, hey, let's just listen and, and hear somebody out and, and no one's trying to attack anybody by just saying, hey, have you thought about this? Or like, what? why do you feel this way? That's not an attack on us. That's just saying, hey, like, let's really think about this. W- what do we really know about this situation? What do we really know about what these players feel in the NBA when they're thinking about not playing and, and what they think it'll accomplish versus what they think it would accomplish to play? I, I, we can't. We can't really know that. We can't. And there, there is no, there really is no blueprint to this. There, there really is no blueprint. Um, and just because, you know, this is, we're in unprecedented times. Yes, there was a civil rights movement and that was a very strategic and thought out movement. This one right now is just people really acting on, on a lot of emotions. And then with the addition of social media and just the, just the changing of times, this is completely different. And so, you know, specifically in the, and not to get into specifics or name drop, but the situation that you're referring to a fellow media member who is a white man tweeted that the players were doing the right thing and resuming play. Okay. Well, you know, you have, you have the right to your opinion and, you know, not that anybody asked for it, but you know, this is, I guess this is what you do is you give your opinion on sports. That's cool. Um, I asked uh, for an explanation because I was curious. He provided an explanation and then, you know, I said, hmm, okay, well, you know, I'm on the fence because I really am on the fence about whether they should resume playing or whether they should stop playing. Cause I, as I said, I'm not in that moment and I'm not, them. So, um, but I do say, and and what I did say is it's not, they should not, this, this fight is not a burden that they, that they should carry themselves. They aren't the only ones who should be making sacrifices. Vashti Hurt, uh, founder and editor in chief of Carolina Blitz needs to use her voice and her impact as much as she can. And I could, should be making impact and sacrifices to the extent that I can make sacrifices. You know, all of us as black people can do, do our part. We can't just expect professional athletes to be the only ones in this fight because they're the ones who are most visible. So that I explained that. And then it really got it. It really evolved into a conversation where, you know, he thought that it, that they should play because they were able to make money playing. And I, I, I've never felt that throwing money at any situation is a way to fix it. And so, you know, yeah, I, it, it evolved from there, but to your point, I feel like if, if when asked for the opinion and then when mine was provided, oftentimes if in this instance and, and, and as a, and as a white person who wants, you know, you would think or you would hope wants the same thing, wants to see people treated equally, wants to see, you know, uh, not to not to see, you know, black people be mistreated by members of law enforcement, if we all want the same thing, if you don't directly, if you have not had the experiences of the, of the oppressed, it really should do more listening than talking. And you really should be very careful about what you say is right or wrong because you have never been in that space and you, and it is not, it's, it may be your job to give opinions and maybe you should give an opinion about if LeBron James should have passed the ball instead of taking the taking the three as a, as the as the game closed down, that's what maybe where your your opinion. Listen, let's let's debate about it. But when it comes to how we as Black people should handle this moment and this movement, and you're saying as a white man who has never experienced. Uh, the things that we have experienced, especially to the extent of being a professional athlete, you're saying what's right or wrong. I think you're getting to very dangerous territory there. Yeah, I, I, that's really well said. And, and, and look, sports radio, I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a profession that is very much driven upon like having a take and having an opinion. I mean, that was something that's something I still struggle with when I go on radio, honestly, because I'm from a writer background and I just, I try, I see the nuance in so many situations, you know, but 
they they want you to have an opinion and, and, and take a stand and have a side. And it's like, yeah, you like you said, you can have one about whether LeBron should have passed the ball. But maybe in this situation, it's a little bit more serious and it's time to see the nuance involved. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's okay to just listen and, yeah. and, and try to understand when people are explaining things to you in this in this moment. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things that white people can do if they're trying to be allies in this moment is listen and 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 not pass judgment. Those that's very big. Not pass yep. judgment on how people um act within this moment. Listen and then have conversations with other white people as far as, you know, what are your views on this? Uh, what are your experiences? And if you find that they may be, um, their their opinions may be that of different than yours. Well, why do you have this? Why do you have? Why is this your uh, opinion? Why why don't you believe that? You know, Jacob Blake. Why do you think that he was wrong? Why do you think that? you know, black people who don't uh, listen to the commands of police are justified when they're shot, you know, have those conversation um, conversations amongst white people and then invite black people in to have, uh, to have, um, to, uh, to speak to their experiences and conversations are just to start, but there needs to be action behind those conversations. And that's where the real work starts. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and it's just, you know, we, we have to sort of deal with the reality. I think as white people that, you know, this, this country we live in, it's not legally segregated, but it's still very segregated. And we grow up having very different experiences a lot of the time. And we live in very insular worlds where we don't have to see and experience a lot of the things that, um, that, that black people do. And, and, and so that's something where it's like, it's like, if we don't experience it, it's not our reality. So it can't be true. And we should just believe authority figures and trust them because they've been here for us. And then we have to come to grips with the idea that that's not everybody's experience. And, um, it, in fact, it's not a lot of people's experience and, and we have to come to grips with that. And I think that's just, that's, that's hard for some people. And some people don't want to do that work and some people do. And I think those of us that do want to do that work, and I think, the, I, I think, I think the person that you had that interaction with would count himself in the, in the people who do want to, it, you, we have to work harder and we have to not be defensive and understand that we are not being called into question as people. We, right. we this is just a very serious topic and, and we need to be willing to listen and grow and learn. And that's, that, it's just that simple. And I was, I was really struck by, and I could tell that you were bothered by this of, of sort of feeling like you were painted into this corner of being hostile for mm-hmm. having an opinion. And that's, that's a stereotype. I'm sure that you're very, you have to be very conscious of, and, and that must be really difficult, you know, to feel like you can't express an opinion um, without coming across that way. I, I definitely did not think you came across that way whatsoever and was kind of surprised when it went there, but yeah, <laughs> I was because the, the, the gentleman that we're talking about has a radio show here in Charlotte and I've been on his show several times. I see him in the meeting room. Hey, what's up? How you doing? You know, Oh, you know, you have a a good announcement on Instagram or Twitter. Oh, congrats. You know, just cordial, um, professional relationship. And, and for, and, and even in that moment, I felt like when we were, when we were debating, I would say back and forth on Twitter about what's right and wrong for these NBA players to do or the best way for them uh, to, to um, impact change. I just felt like, okay, we're two people passionate about our points of views and that's it. And then out of left field, he says, Oh, well, I don't understand the hostility. Wait, 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 pause. (laughs) Yeah, the record scratch moment. Like, what? Like, it really was a record scratch because, you know, this is, you know, I'm gonna be frank. I don't, and Lauren, you know, I'm, 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 if you know me, I'm a very cool person. But within the media space, I'm really like, I keep to my own. I'm, I don't, I don't really interact with people that much, and that's probably my own defense mechanism because of this very reason right now of what happened. I don't, I I don't make many 
friends within media. And I've been told, oh, Bachelor, you need to be more friendly and you're a nice person. You're fun. Like, yeah, I know that. But I also know that the, the script can be flipped real quickly. And that's what happened because here we are, two people being being very passionate in our views. And then all of a sudden, I'm being called hostile. And there was nothing hostile about the conversation at all. So that's something as a black woman that I, I'm always aware of. Like I have to be more uh, censored. I have to be more friendly. I can't be as passionate about my views without being labeled angry, without yep. being labeled militant, without being labeled hostile. And in that moment, there was a level of privilege that he exposed and he didn't even realize that, that he was doing it. And that, right. that that's the thing. I can't, you know, I can fault him to a certain extent, but that's it, that what well, his reaction was innate. And it's something that I've had to deal with prior to being in sports media. I was a stockbroker and both two very both white male dominated industries where I always felt like I had to, you know, be very, be very careful with things. I'm careful to this day in the locker room. I'm careful with how I ask questions. Everybody, oh, well, you don't ask a lot of questions. Well, I feel like I just can't come off the top of the dome and ask something. If I, they say that there aren't stupid questions. They lie. There are stupid questions. <laughs> so if that's why I ask a stupid question, it's going to be looked at differently because I am a mon- minority within this space. If Vashti asked a very thoughtful question, then it's also going to be looked at differently. And that's, and that's, that's the space that I have to operate in is, you know, trying to, being aggressive or assertive, being assertive, but also being passive to an extent. And I think that that's some, that's also a space that we as women, period, have to operate in in this sports world. We can't be too opinionated. We can't be too, you know, we can't be too proud. We can't be too boastful. We have to be, you know, we can't be too pretty because then we're a distraction. We've heard these things. It's like nope. they're all of these certain restrictions that we're held to within this space and it's crippling and it's exhausting. Like honestly, yesterday, last night, after everything that happened, I literally like my, I literally was like, I just didn't feel good. I didn't feel good. And I should not, that should not be the case. I should be looked at as an equal in this space. I'm a black woman. I'm credentialed just like you are. I write, I do radio, I do edit videos. Like I literally do it all. And a lot of people don't do it all. I literally am doing it all within this space. And I still am labeled hostile for having a strong opinion about something that I directly experienced. It's it's just, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. I don't think people understand all that we go through as women in, in, in this sports media world. Yeah, it's, it, it, I, I, you're exactly right. I mean, when in my first few years in this business, I, uh, I, I was very much in the minority, of course, it, it, even more so than today, really. And I, I would, I remember I would dress like the men dress because yeah. <laughs> you just want to blend in. That's the thing. You just, you feel as if you're entering a world that's not yours and you want to, you don't want to be a problem. And then, you know, you touched on it too. And, and you doubly feel this, you know, as a black woman, but like the burden of representation, yeah. right? It's like you're there in that space and, and somehow you're representing either all women or all black women. And you can't, you don't want to do something that's bad. Whereas there's enough white men in there that if one of them asks a stupid question, it's not going to be like, Oh, look at the white dude asking a stupid there question. You, there you go. Yeah. Lauren, yeah. I feel seen. Lauren, <laughs> no, I get it. I was, I was afraid to ask questions for so long too. Like I, I totally, yeah. And I, 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 um, I'm very passionate about, um, you know, sexual assault and domestic violence, and that, that was probably that was where I sympathized too with, um, you know, the NBA guys because that was that was the time when those things were sort of being tolerated pretty openly in college sports, and uh, you know, the Ohio State situation was going down with the assistant coach and everything else I felt like what am I doing you know like am I continuing to cover this and and as if everything's fine like am I 
am I doing enough? But then I thought to myself, you know what, like, if I'm not in this space, trying to speak out against this stuff and say it's not okay, then that's one less person doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we have to carve out space. And it's hard. It's hard to balance those two things out, like you said, of like wanting to be a good media member in the room and not be disruptive or anything and not be a problem with like, wanting to be passionate about things that matter to us. If it, it, it's, it's a delicate balance sometimes. And, get to point, and I'm sure you've gotten to this point when you first, like I've been, I haven't been doing it at the level that I'm doing it now, but I've been doing, I've been in, you know, I've been on press row for some time myself and it's not, it was at the beginning, it wasn't unusual for me to be the only woman, let alone black woman, but the only woman period. And mm. You, and I think intrinsically, you may start doubting yourself. Like, oh, what do I belong here? And yep. that, and there, and there was a moment, and I don't remember specifically when this. If I think long enough, we don't have enough time on this podcast. If I were to think long enough, I probably know the moment when I was like, you know what, I belong here, and my voice belongs here, and I can be the only person within this space. And that makes it even that makes me and my presence even more valuable. And so, you know, you start out with just questioning yourself. I mean, it's just a it's just a natural thing when you are in the minority. And I think that, you know, (laughs) you could kind of mirror this with the experience of being black in this country. You know, you're you're constantly questioning yourself because if you belong. You know, there's a constant question and in in sports media, if you belong and then you get to a point, maybe based off maturity, based off professional experience or just like I belong, I belong and I'm not going to allow anybody to make me feel like I don't belong. And and that's a good place to be. But still within that space, we still have to think, Okay, well, you know, me personally, Although I know I belong and I will assert myself because I know I belong, I still hold back in a lot of certain in a lot of ways. And I think that, you know, being able to to not hold back, I think to some extent I will always have some type of uh, border up, some type of. You know, like a wall. you're never going to get all you're never going to get Vashti sitting on her sofa talking to her friends. Like, I'm just not you're not going to get that. Because <laughs> I, I, I have to be aware of the space that I'm in. But, you know, as as I even now, even as I navigate these waters like yesterday, yesterday was just something I'd never experienced before, which is why I think that it affected me that much. Even as I navigate these waters you know, you're learning more about yourself and more about your limits and more and more and being comfortable with being standing strong in your opinion and not allowing somebody to try to diminish it by attaching things like, oh, you're being hostile or, oh, you're not, or it could be something as, oh, well, smile more. Smile for what? You know? Oh, so. yeah. Oh God, don't even, don't even. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's bad. And and that's the thing too, is like, there's so many little things that happen in a media room and for so long, you know, it's like, you just sort of smile through it, especially if it's an older, you know, Mm -hmm. older person that's doing it, you just kind of go, okay. And we, we, as women, and then like you said, as, as, as black women, and I think even minorities in the larger culture, right. Whether it's women or, you know, people of color, whoever it is, you know, we subvert parts of who mm-hmm. we are all the time when it's, when we're in spaces dominated by white men. And that's a, that's a position that I think white men, even the most well-intentioned of them just cannot possibly understand. That's it. And, yeah. you know, I mean, and that's, that's nothing to say anything bad about them. There are some right. that try really hard to understand that, you know, and they want to hear your perspective and they want to hear what it's like, but they can't understand what it's like to sort of subvert a part of yourself or question what you're doing or, 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 or feel like, you know, they, they, they can't know what that's like and that's okay, but it's time to start sort of trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and, and figure out what that's like. Um, yeah, this is, <laughs> yeah, it's, 
Oh, the rough waters we uh, we swim. <laughs> you know, but you know, Lauren, we we picked this life. We picked this life, yeah. and we're here for a reason. And we just gotta we gotta roll with the punches. Yesterday, I was they know I was knocked on. I I was knocked on the ground yesterday. Just like what? I'm back up yeah. right now. I'm back up. I'm back in these waters. Back to press conferences, and yesterday it's crazy because yesterday was the only. On the only day like in a long time where I didn't have any press conferences, what I should have done was just disconnected. And, I, and that was my attention at the beginning. But when you're in media and there's stuff going on, you just yeah, like, care. It's, it's hard. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, all this stuff is going on. If I completely disconnect, I'm going to miss something. And oftentimes, if you completely disconnect, you do miss something and then you're kind of late to the party. I should have disconnected because I woke up yesterday like, man, this is a lot. Like, this is a lot. And then, you know, it yeah. it, 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 it evolved from there. But I should I should have just I should have taken a break. And that's that's a lesson that was in this moment. I'm learning. Vashti, sometimes. You may miss, you may be late to the party. You'll get there eventually, but just disconnect. Take what does what did Marshawn say? Take care of your bodies. Take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. Yep. Yeah, and that's something I don't think I ever really started doing that until I had a kid, um, and it was kind of by necessity. But yeah, it's it's something where I had you just have to take some time sometimes, even just without bad stuff happening, which it feels like every day now we're in the midst of that, but. You know, just to take a break and, um, you know, just unplug for a little bit. And but I didn't start doing it until I had a kid because I just I had no reason to. And then all of a sudden I had to. And I realized, okay, these breaks are good for me and I don't have to be I don't have to be in that space all the time. Um, But, yeah, it can feel like you miss so many things when you're (laughs) when you're off for a while. And, um, you know, before I let you go, I did want to touch on, too, like there's been some goings on in the ACC, obviously. I, I mean, it's crazy. I guess we're just doing, I guess we're doing football. I mean, that I seems mean, to be really doing football. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I log into these press conferences and I hear all of this. Oh, For real, right? And I'm like, do y'all know that NC State is literally not practicing right now and they have their game back? Like, it was just last week that UNC, like, they were not practicing. Like, you know, it, it, <laughs> Notre Dame. I don't know if are they practicing right now. Like, I'm not sure if they're back yet. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we, we can act like, oh, everybody's like, okay, well, we're gonna act as if, as if as if everything's normal when everything isn't. And I'm thinking of that meme where, um, I mean, where the guy is sitting at the table and everything is burning around them, and it's like, oh yeah, okay. You're like, and like, this is how I feel. Like, it's fine, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for you know. Honestly, Lauren, and maybe you can help me. I've been struggling with that. I don't, I don't understand what would be so harmful about delaying the season and doing it in the spring. I, it just seems like everything is so forced right now. And a lot of times when you have to force something from a marriage to to a, a to a to a college football season, it just seems like it just it's doomed for failure. I don't know. It's weird. I I think, I feel like, I I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I feel mixed about it at the moment because like, I, I get that the players want to play and I have a hard time with some media members, um, like nationally speaking, who were rightfully on the player's side when they're speaking out about racial injustice and things like that and wanting more rights and stuff like that. But when they were saying they wanted to play, were saying like, oh, well, they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand why they do that. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like I want to give them some agency. And that's important, too. Like, we can't give them agency on issues mm-hmm. like justice and then not give them agency on this. But I also understand for a lot of these guys, it's not a simple choice. You know, it's not there is no choice for them. Um, they may not feel forced into it by any means and it's something they want, but you know, what's the other option anyway? Like if, if their team's playing, they don't have a choice. Right. And it's a tough thing that I've been grappling with for sure, because at the end of the day, like I want what's best for, for these, for these players. And I don't, 
I don't know that I know what that is. You know, I don't know that it's for me to tell them like you shouldn't play if they feel like they understand the risk and still want to. I, I don't know. It's I've had I, I I feel you know I feel kind of mixed up about it. But like you said, yeah, it feels surreal. People keep asking me like, "Hey, you ready to preview the season?" I'm like, "I guess." <laughs> I don't like. Okay, we can try to do this, but that's another thing. We we don't get to see practices, like, and it's tough. Yeah. So we only get limit. We get a very limited view of what's going on. So even our jobs as as sports writers and sports reporters is is difficult because we have these press conferences, but I can't go to a practice and see. Oh, this person is getting worked over on the line. This might be an area of focus that they may need to look at. Oh, well, the DBs look really good, really strong. They're going to be tough in that secondary. We don't have that point of view or we don't have that insight right now to really say, okay, so how can we really, I mean, what football so review? Real. Ain't no preview. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I got I got in terms of right, I guess, and and you you bring up a good point as far as wanting what's best for the players. My fear, and this is my fear, and this has been my fear since day one, is that a player, and we know the statistics as far as this virus and how it how it, it it's not it doesn't affect younger, healthier people like it does those with pre-existing conditions, those who are older, who may have diabetes, overweight, those things. We know that. And most of them, uh, the large majority of them would be able to survive if they were to contract coronavirus. My concern is that one player who is not so lucky and I, I would yeah. hate for it to take someone, I would hate for it to take a death to wake up this system where, or this, this, this push for these guys to, to play college football. That's my fear. Yeah. I actually, it was interesting on the press conference where I felt like I felt a little badly for Dave Doran because he was literally asked about heat stroke. Oh yeah. Um, and like, <laughs> and he talked in that answer, like he talked a little bit about like COVID and heat stroke and whatever, but what struck me the most in that answer was he touched on guys that were out there that had sickle cell trait. Mm -hmm. And then my stomach, my stomach dropped. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, that is exceedingly dangerous. Yeah. You know, one of those guys gets COVID and, and I mean, look again, like you said, it's their choice, but it's also like, what, what's it going to take? And yeah, I feel that's been my fear since the started is that someone will die. Um, and I, I really, really want that to not be true so badly. Exactly. Um, and, and but, we're yeah. not advocating for sports not to start. We just want it to be within the safest um, space as possible. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I had Nicole Auerbach on last week from The Athletic. And, and uh, you know, I know uh, Lincoln Riley has been really good with this, I think, for, for the most part at Oklahoma. And he had been talking about, I think, um, potentially instead of having teams forfeit games, they would do like maybe they could do a no contest or something like that. So mm -hmm. that way teams are... I think what we, what I would love to see is just let's not place a lot of incentives on this season in terms of like winning something. Right. Let's, let's do as best we can. If you want to have sports and these guys want to play, okay, cool. Let's just have a season that doesn't have any consequences attached to it so that these coaches are incentivized to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing for the sake of winning some championship or winning something. Because I think we can all recognize this season is not going to be a normal one by any stretch. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but, but you know, then maybe coaches will say, well, what are, what are we playing for? What are we, what are we motivating players to play for? I yeah. I don't know. I mean, but they keep saying, we just want to play. And it's like, well, if okay. we just want to play, maybe we just put nothing, you know, <laughs> like, that's a good point. If they just really want to play and there's nothing to play for, are you still going to play? Yeah. I mean, if there's if you can still put something on tape for the NFL and play out your final season with your with your with your teammates and your friends and your you know great like okay cool but I just feel like putting something at stake makes it. I mean, we've already seen it in just practice situations. Not a lot of coaches, thankfully, but we've heard of stories of coaches doing the wrong things, and and Listen. that's just practice in the summer. Listen, like. It, it's it's a, I feel like we're we're in the twilight zone when it comes to that and so we'll see you know I I'd love on Saturdays to be able to roll up to the stadium 
and cover a game from the press box. Do I think it's going to happen this year? I mean, not, not, not what we're used to, not, not in the environment that we're used to. Um, so it's, wear your mask. Okay. People. Just oh, love it. I love it. God. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 we talked about it at work the other day and we're, none of us are going to the press box. Um, and so I'll be covering games from home, getting on zooms and that's going to be weird. Um, but you know, and probably same for basketball season, which is no Lauren, don't say that. I know. I really don't. I hope not. I hope not so much because this, this honestly, just thinking about it because it's so soon down the road, right? Like, yeah, like just thinking about like what football is going to be like, you know, um, it's like, wow, I guess basketball probably won't be all that dissimilar. I hope I'm wrong and I hope it's not like that. But I mean, that's what my work sort of decided was it's not worth it, um, especially because we're not getting to see the players. You know, we the, the press conferences are all going to be via Zoom anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with and I get it. I mean, I, I but it still sucks. And it's like it, it's surreal and I can't. I don't want it to be like this for basketball. I hope so much that it's not. But you know um, what? If it, I would. If, I've heard stuff. I've heard rumblings. I'm sure you have about them creating some sort of bubble. If they create a bubble, I'm so down for being in a college basketball bubble. I mean, that is just. It, yeah, I would. I would be so hyped with with all of the ACC teams in it. I I already love the ACC tournament. So, like, if there was a bubble. And they allowed me to be in cover from the bubble. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Yeah, I would, you know, I would in theory love to. I don't know if I'd be able to, yeah. but in theory, it would be awesome. Like in in theory, because I thought that like somebody asked me for my mailbag if I wanted to cover the NBA bubble, if I would do that. And I was like, you know, I will, you know, I could maybe swung that actually because my in-laws live in Orlando and like, you know, it's not out of the question. I could have potentially brought my kid to Orlando to stay, stay with his in-laws and <laughs> while I, and get, you know, got to see him a, at a distance occasionally. And <laughs> you should, I mean, it's just the, the environment as to me, as a reporter, it would be like having, awesome. it would be awesome. Like it just would, it just would be awesome. And, and as a, ba- as a basketball head, I would be like, Yo, this is this is awesome. Like I get to cover the players, cover the games, and there are limited distractions. There are even limited media members. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, like it, in theory, on paper, it would be in the dream. Really, I mean, it would be great. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm glad that they are looking forward with more palatable solutions. Mm-hmm. I'll say that um, in the college basketball world because I that's been my biggest frustration with college football. It's just this sort of stick your fingers in your ears, yeah. you know, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And, and not having a backup plan. I was, I, I have said it on this podcast before. I was furious for the big 10 players. When I read a report that like, apparently they didn't even start discussing the spring until they'd already decided to cancel the, the season. And I'm like, what? You didn't have any contingency plan that y'all were even talking about? Like, are you kidding me right now? These are institutions of higher learning. And I think that's what blows me. You would think that, okay, these are institutions of higher learning. This is where people or young people go or people in general go to get a higher level of education. I mean, you would think that the basics of planning would be somewhere within somebody's purview, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe I guess not. That's been, that's blown my mind, honestly. Like I'm like, are you kidding me? Like we, and then like, like now it's like, oh, well, now we're in a bubble with the students off campus. I was like, I have literally been saying this for months that y'all, if you want to have a college football season, you cannot bring the students back on campus. Like you can't. You can't do both because you can't have a bubble. And the closest thing you can get to that is if they're not on campus. And, you know, and and it's like now they've sort of stumbled into that situation. And I'm just like, no one is thinking here. Nobody is thinking at all. And I don't understand it. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, It's going to be weird. Um, Let's see. I don't know if there's any other college football news, really. Boston College. I did see Boston College football set out their practice because of, um, you know, the Jacob Blake situation and, and that's okay. I, that was cool. I was I was 
you know, I was glad to see that, um, especially as their former coach, Steve Adazio. Um, I think he'd been accused of some sort of questionable COVID practices and maybe some questionable racism practices at Colorado State, his new school. And so it's cool to see his, I'm sure plenty of players he recruited, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Um, we pro- we yeah. might see that. I mean, we might see that several times, a couple more times from, from players. It's kind of, you know, sitting out of practice in order to show, uh, in order to be in solidarity, I guess, with other athletes in this fight is another way. I guess it's like uh, the evolution of the kneel, I guess, maybe in some yeah. ways. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that um, from from more from more teams. But, you know. Do you think we'll see it in the NFL? Because I, I have my doubts, but I'm curious as to what you think, because I know you cover it more closely. So I know Detroit did and they really were the first ones they did that on thursday wednesday yeah, wednesday? yeah I think you're right they were one of the first ones they were one uh-huh. of the first ones to sit out of practice um i don't know i think that i think from what we heard from what i heard from we talk, spoke with to hear whitehead after the panthers live practice it was the best thing that they could do as far as fan fest uh without fans and he said that the team is trying to come up with something that would make a bigger impact than just not practicing. So I think that you'll have some teams who say, okay, well, everybody, and he, and he said this too, everybody is sitting out of practice. Well, yeah, it'll make the news for one day and then people will move on. What can we do that will have a lasting impact? That's what's coming out of the Panthers locker room. Um, The NFL is not nearly, as open as the NBA. So I don't expect to see the level of um, pushback and the level of awareness. I mean, I think these players are aware. It's just to me, and I've been saying this just by mere numbers, it's harder to get 53 of people on one accord. Well, right now, 80, it's harder to get 80 people on one accord than it is to get what? 14. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, so, but I know I don't, we won't see the NFL do things to the level that we're seeing basketball and even college football, because a lot of these, there's, there's some teams and I've heard some things and, you know, as a, as a, as a journalist, sometimes you just keep things close to vest so that you can get, be fed things in the future. You know, there are teams that you don't even know of who have had some issues as far as, uh, players not practicing or refusing to practice based on COVID related issues. And so even in college football, we're seeing, um, players flex their muscles or, you know, flex their muscles as far as demanding certain changes, uh, happen within that program that I don't think we'll see on the NFL level. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it's been really, it's been a really cool thing for me to see these guys sort of find their voice and, and assert themselves because it's been frustrating to watch, you know, from a, from a, not afar, but relatively speaking and and feel like they're not, um, they're not being taken care of the way that they should be. And, and it's, it's, it's really awesome to see them sort of step up and use their voices, not just for themselves to advocate for themselves, but also just for social change and, to make their coaches listen to them. Um, Bomani Jones wrote an, um, a really, really good piece that everybody should read for Vanity Fair. Um, I read it last night and just every time Bomani writes, I'm just blown away. And I'm like, you know, it's one of those things where it's the ultimate writer compliment where you read it and you're like jealous of how well written mm-hmm. it is. And you're like, I should just keep writing. Right before I came on with you, I said, let me read this just so I, you know, can get it done. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really, I think it's a really good piece because Bomani, I think does a really good job of explaining that, like, we want these moments to be true. Like we want to connect the change that happens to these athletes and what they're doing. And it makes for a great story. And we love that in sports, but we also have to recognize the limit of the power, especially college athletes have, um, because it's reflective of the country as a whole too. I mean, you know, they don't, they only have, but so much power and there needs to be a willingness to, to listen and and to change on the parts of the people in power or else none of this is going to matter. I mean, they're not going to just change because some athletes don't want to play a game. I mean, it, it, 
I hope that it at least wakes people up to what's going on and, um, you know, and good on the athletes for doing it, but it's going to take more from all of us. And, and I thought Bomani articulated that really, really well. Um, and yeah, it just, it, it, that's why it's like, I, I, I can't know what these NBA guys are going through because they have to feel so hopeless and frustrated um, and helpless, you know, yeah. and, and they yeah. have, they have more power than a lot of people in this country do, but they still can only wield it, but so much. And I, I can't imagine how they must be feeling in this moment. And I, yeah, it's, <laughs> we all need to do more and to be better for sure. And keep advocating for these kids, man. You know, some of these journalists that y'all are out here saying don't want a season. No, we just want to see, this is the, this is the impetus. I think for a lot of us to sort of see the system brought into question. And that is what I think a lot of us are fighting for, not for no season to be, to happen, but like for these, for the system to sort of understand what it is, mm-hmm. oh. but you know, and, and for the, the, them to reckon with what that system is and the fact that, Oh, you lose a hundred million dollars. Weird. It's almost like these players make you a ton of money. Huh? <laughs> you know, it's like y'all need to reckon with the system being what it is. And um, that's what we want. We want, we want them to blow the system up and start over a lot of us. That's do, it. So. That's it. It's not that we don't want football to be played. We just want them to admit what this is. Um, <laughs> and, and let's go forward knowing that we all know. We all know what this is. We like, know what it is. And, and, and I, you know what? This is an exercise for me and not really, you know, I've already been, <laughs> I've said enough, but I won't, we know, we know what it is. We know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's time for coaches to start taking these guys seriously. Like, Mike Gundy out here not knowing people's names on his own team and, you know, proudly talking about watching OANN or whatever that trash is. Like, you stop with that. You have black players make you your money, dude. Yeah. Like, but the, just like Bamani said in the article, they know that, you know, the players, unless the players say, okay, we're not playing for you, yeah. those coaches still have the power. I mean, they have the power. Yeah, and especially in college football. Because there is no minor league, right? Like, <laughs> and I think Mac was the one who said it the other day. It was it was Mac or David Cutcliffe. It might have been Cutcliffe, but he's like, it was it was Cutcliffe. He's like, we're the we're the best uh, free minor league for the NFL, like that they could imagine, and that's exactly what they are. Yeah, yeah, it's ugh. and that's and I think that that's why all of these players want to play so badly. If they felt like, and and I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not. I don't play college football but if they if they felt like their pro chances would not be diminished if they didn't play this fall then maybe they wouldn't mind okay well let's go ahead and play in the spring have what would be as close to a maybe a a normal season as we could get within this pandemic and be and be fine with it but these guys when they say we want to play of course there's a to me, there's a love for football that's there. That's not going to change whether they play in September or whether they play in March. What they may think will change is there are there chances to go to the pros. And that yep. where that's where the underlying problem is because it's still tied or this we want to play is tied into this hoop dream mentality where we will do anything and everything we need to do to display our talents in order to make it to the next level. And even within that is put my body on the line even further than the extent that I do when I lace up every day and, and go to practice or go to play in a game. And so I, I really would be curious how many guys would say, would be so, oh, we want to play, we want to play, if they felt like in March, which is, you know, not even that long from now, they would have the same chances at making the NFL as they would if they played in, in September. Yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, I don't, I probably a lot of them would opt out, you would think, but oh, this is where we're at. Um, all right. I want you to tell everybody where they can find your stuff because you, you also just started a new podcast too with a former ACC athlete, Sheena Quick. So yeah. tell everybody where they can find all your stuff. So, um, carolinablitz.com is, is the website. You can follow me on Twitter at keepblitzen. 
Um, and then on Instagram, I, I post some stuff on Instagram that you won't get on Twitter. Uh, so please follow on Oh, I didn't follow you there. I don't think I do. Yeah, please follow on Instagram at Carolina Blitz. Uh, and Sheena and I, Sheena Quick, she ran track at NC State and Florida State, uh, two yep. ACC schools. Uh, and she and I both cover the Panthers. So we are, we have a, a podcast called Quick Blitz that's on the Riot Network. So um, I've enjoyed doing that. That drops every Tuesday. No, every Wednesday. Drops every every Wednesday. So awesome. Okay, that's perfect. And yeah, y'all y'all need to follow her. You'd be remiss if you if you didn't. I just followed you on Instagram actually because I somehow didn't do that yet. I haven't been on Instagram as much lately. I don't know why. Um, all right, Vashti. Um, thank you so much for doing this and. Until next week, everybody, we still have a season for now. 